I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i am your host jessica dwyer and tonight we have a guest fanboy as a co-host our first i think uh mr eric smith how are you i'm doing well and i'm honored to be your first yes you are indeedy and of course the lovely and talented ren willox is with us Lovely and talented. Yes, you are. For those of us who have seen you in person, we know the truth. Yes. Um, (laughs) And tonight's episode um, is a special one, and I I just wanted to send out a um, we love you and get better soon to our um, regular producer, Todd. Um, He had a bit of a health issue, um, quite a, quite a, a... uh, health issue this weekend and we're hoping for the best for him i'm sure he's gonna pop right back because he's a superhero um but this episode of the show tonight is uh, special we're going to do a little bit of focus on indie horror and um we're going to have a special special guest tonight um we're going to interview mr ty west he's one of the new breed of horror directors out there right now he's done some amazing work with things like house of the devil and the um being released this week on blu-ray and dvd the innkeepers so um we're looking forward to talking to him but before we get to that we have to talk about the week in geek and um we have uh two shows that came back um actually one that didn't go away but one that returned after a hiatus and that was once upon a time came back swinging this weekend with a great episode um always the ones that are focused on rumpelstiltskin are are usually good um not my uh absolute love for robert carlisle notwithstanding um great episode um really put it carlisle oh he's so good um great episode really angst filled um really added to the plot loved the twist because there were so many fan sites saying that they thought um it was going to turn out one way and it didn't um so i was very pleased with that and then of course game of thrones came back um this episode was one of the more cringe inducing ones of late um joffrey and his s&m fetish uh got the four um uh yeah that was a very disturbing scene with the young blonde pretty king of um beating the well actually he didn't do any of the beating um he watched as another whore beat another whore um so yeah that was disturbing and then there was the the uh, shadow baby birth at the end um that 
Yeah. That was some disturbing shiznit um, on Game of Thrones, but it was good, and we had some great Dinklage moments. So, um, all around, Once Upon a Time in Game of Thrones, not disappointing, um, and in uh, a couple months, um, in June, we'll start having um, <sighs> True Blood will be back, um, but Game of Thrones, or actually, I'm sorry, uh, Once Upon a Time only has, I think, three episodes left of this season. So it's going to be over soon, and we're going to be sad, but it's going to be every weekend for the next three weekends. So good times. Yay. Yay. So um, let's go uh, round robin here um, with Eric. Uh, what you have for the Week in Geek, sir? Uh, well, I have a couple of books uh, that really bring out the geek in me. Um, the first is Ghouls of the Miskatonic, which is book one of the Dark Waters trilogy. That's by Graham McNeil. And then Dance of the Dead, which is book one of the Lord of Nightmares trilogy by Alan Bly, and both novels based on the Arkham Horror board game by Fantasy Flights Games. Um, just great Lovecraftian stories uh, for fans of that sort of thing, although not as verbose as Lovecraft could be, <laughs> which is nice. And uh, they each have a, a form in the back that you can send in and actually get cards to use with your Arkham Horror board game if you play the game oh that's cool um so are these kind of like the the vampire the masquerade tie-in novels that they did um so many of for white wolf yes yep just like that and uh those books actually usually had a coupon for a special card uh the white wolf books did too but uh these are just uh they they use characters from the games uh from the game and uh bringing some new characters as well and those are the ones you can get cards for to add to your game and uh, it's got all that great Lovecraftian horror, people going insane from reading forbidden tomes and tentacles. Oh, always good. <laughs> always got to have the tentacles. Yes. Um, don't tomes. ever forget I like the tentacles. The forbidden tomes. <laughs> so that's, and looking at things and making you go crazy. Yes, exactly. But uh, that's my what I'm reading right now. Sweet. So, um, Miss Wren, um, what do you have for this one? Well, I, uh, you know, I don't have anything that's new, unfortunately. It's new for me, though. I, um, I've been trying my best to find a show to replace The Walking Dead uh, while it's <laughs> off the air. And, um, because that was kind of the only thing I was walking, watching. I work too much. I'm about to work less, though. I quit my second job. Yay! Only have one job. <laughs> Yay! Um, so I, uh, so I'm gonna have more time to watch stuff, which would be awesome, like movies and things. So I'm trying to find a new show, like, uh, on Netflix that I can, like, watch. I'm saying like too much. So I checked out a few, and I've watched the first episode of all three of these, and so I've gotten sort of a decent impression of them. I'm not sure that any of the three is going to be my show. I haven't found it yet, but these are three pretty decent shows. The first one I watched is Atlas Shrugged, which isn't new, but it's a spectacular show. I mean, I was very quickly lost because it is so depthful and complex, and there's a gajillion characters, and they're all doing some, saying one thing and then doing another thing, and then there's people that are disappearing, but you don't know why yet, you don't know who they are even. It's so, it's so, it'll do your head in. But it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> I was looking for something post-apocalyptic, and this wasn't quite post-apocalyptic, but it's set in the near future where the oil is completely run out, and because oil is gone, 
road travel is nearly gone and everything's gone back to trains. So it's there's there's these the train companies are now like the biggest companies in the entire country. So it's sort of, it's sort of a it, it's a it's a high stakes drama of these these wealthy huge powerful families that run these train companies and the uh, the power struggles and the politics to make sure that they come out on top. It was it was cool. Um it I was lost in the first episode. <laughs> So I'm probably not going back to that one. But the next one I tried was a British show called Outcasts. And I don't even know how old this is. I expect it's not very old either. Um, and it's a sci-fi. It's uh, far in the future. It's a new planet that's been colonized. And evidently a bunch of planets were colonized. But it takes a really long time to get to these planets. Not as long as current science predicts it would take to actually get somewhere. But still many many years to get to these planets so this one colony has been by itself for a very long time and expecting another ship to arrive and in the first episode that ship arrives but it's incredibly dangerous to get these ships from space into to to land that's the most dangerous part of the whole trip and so the 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 body of the episode is filled with the suspense of trying to get these people to land safely i really liked it again acted really well written really well it was kind of dark for me i liked the characters and i liked the setting um but it went to a really dark place really quickly where one of the characters went kind of nutso and kidnapped his own son and then probably spoiling the first episode i'm sorry but there'll be more he dies his son dies he kills yeah. his wife and the wow. ship crashes and I, oh by the Jesus. end of that i wanted to like find a rafter and hang myself on it anyway but it was <laughs> other than that if you don't mind the darkness it was beautiful and i really really liked it and then the third show that i tried was another bbc show called survivors which again post apocalyptic uh, I was in that strain. If I wasn't looking, for, you know, if I was looking, if I was looking for something other than dark, I should not have been looking for post-apocalyptic. But anyway, Survivors is uh, current time, but a, a, a virulent new flu kills about two thirds of the population, maybe more. It, it takes, you know, it takes place in Britain, so it's all uh, several families throughout sort of London and, and suburbs and uh, everybody just dies in about the space of two days and so the the wow. first episode was really an introduction because the first episode was like by the end of the episode you got to the point at which the rest of the show will take place you know the the picking up how do you survive when there's no politics and there's no utilities and there's no you know government there's nothing left there's just people that you know barely know how to do anything but drive their cars and eat their TV dinners but it's so so that's where it got to the first episode was watching that descent which was cool uh, and and this show has stars Freem Adjuman who was of course Martha in Doctor Who oh, number 10's yeah. second uh, second companion she's great in everything and so pretty so pretty she's gorgeous um, she's got like yeah. perfect skin perfect skin yeah. woman Perfect eyes, just, yeah, fantastic. Anyway, anyway, so that was cool. I probably will give that a second go, just because, like I said, after the first episode, it, it was finally in its actual mode of watching the people do their thing after everybody's dead. Um, I watched ten minutes of Jericho. And I was, <laughs> I was going to say Jericho, and I'm like, no, not The reason, I'm going to try it again, but I watched ten minutes, and ten minutes was enough to remind me that I find Skeet Ulrich really boring. 
<laughs> you do not want to watch that show then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it though, because everybody says it's good. So that was I my try to pretend to. I, I try to pretend he's Johnny Depp, and it still doesn't help. No, no, <laughs> no, because then he, he just sit there going, "Gosh, I wish I was watching Johnny Depp." Well, you know, and the one show he did do that I really liked was, I believe it was Miracles, and but it wasn't so much for him as it was for really creepily well done, and Angus McFadden yeah. Um, yeah. was really good in it. I, but, just find, I just find him bland. He's not, he, you know, I don't dislike him per se, I just find him a bit bland, but that's just me. But this, like So those are the three shows... Um, if they if they sound like a you know anything of your particular genre, I would suggest Netflixing them all because that's where I found them all. So, have at. Netflix is your friend. They've actually been adding quite a few new things. Um, the one they that have. I was uh, they have, and the thing that I I was really excited about, and um, this shows my age, was um, they added Spider Man and his amazing friends. I absolutely loved that show. The um, don't think they have the Incredible Hulk on there yet, but Spider-Man and his amazing friends, awesome. Stanley mm-hmm. actually introducing the episodes and stuff. Heck yeah, and, and uh, you know, I loved. Yeah, I, loved. I, I did the same thing. I dug up my childhood cartoon, which was X-Men, which I've seen like every single episode what? of, they and have I watched it on like. There. They have it all on there. I can still hum the the tune, the show tune. Do, 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 yeah. Do, do, do. Yes. yes. Exactly. Oh man, I think I somebody did like an electric guitar version of that and something. And, that is and one of the greatest. I mean, like you know, forget that it's a cartoon. It's one of the greatest intro songs on TV ever. I'll just say it was so it's badass. Ever. It was. It was. It was good, and you knew what it was the minute you heard it. So <laughs> exactly. definitely. My sister has that as the ringtone for uh, when I call her. Yes, her excellent. <laughs> but but your your Rorschach, that's DC, yo. Oh. We got this big battle going on right now. But so. it's not Rorschach. It's <laughs> oh, that's true. It's still DC. It's still DC. <laughs> but he doesn't have a theme song. That's true. I was it's gonna true. say Rorschach doesn't have a theme song. No, um, I I did want to mention one thing. Um, speaking of retro, um, <clears throat> right now, um, if you have an iPad, um, or um, I think it may be only for iPad, but they could be doing it as well for the I- iPhone. Rockstar is releasing um, reformatted versions of their older games right now to download for like less than seven dollars on um on the itunes store they've got gt they've released gta 3 i think it is and now they've released max Payne. and and you can it's so cool because they actually work well in the ipad format and um i you know it shows you how far advanced we've gone from these games to where you can fit that on an ipad that entire game fits on an iPad along with everything else that you have on there. So um, I just give you a heads up on that one. If you have an iPad, go go get that Max Payne. It's so cool to have that on your on your system. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. Um, I did want to mention one thing that we'll probably be doing something special about in an upcoming episode. Um, Jonathan Frid passed away um, on Friday the 13th, actually, but they did not release the information um, until April 18th um, via his family. And um, lots of tributes have been making the rounds this um, the last few days, and I'm sure they'll continue to be making the rounds. But um, 
um, I did write my own um, on um, the webzine for Fangirl, Fangirl Magazine, um, fangirlmag.com. But um, I'm looking into, I think I'm going to see about getting Catherine Lee Scott to be on the show. Um, oh, cool. To, to talk about Jonathan and Dark Shadows in the new film. Um, because uh, that man was very special to me. Um, had a very... Uh, big deal to and uh, with my upbringing thanks to my sister and my mother um baptizing me in collinwood uh mm-hmm. so and dark shadows so we'll we'll be i just wanted to mention that um that we are very sad and my sister actually denied the fact that he was gone until i told her leanne it's everywhere it's true so um yeah, it was a very sad day, um, although the man went out the way he wanted to. He went out in his sleep, and he lived a very full life. He was 87 years old when he died, um, but we still miss him anyway. And uh, so, and your tribute on the site, I have to say, and this is going to sound like total fluff, but honestly, uh, it was lovely. I really enjoyed oh. reading it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it meant a lot to me, too, because Catherine Lee Scott actually read it and, and told me that it was... Very well, now, now you've made me nervous. Now people are going to go to the site, and it's my job to make it pretty, and it's not pretty yet. I to, it is I very pretty. Work. It's very well done. You did a great job. Not so. up to date. That's <laughs> all right. It's all right. I, I, I haven't been posting as much as I want to because just life. You post like a fiend. You post all the time. Busy. Not enough, but so Still. busy. But um, but I, I want to get back to um, our our focus on this episode tonight is independent horror films and i want to mention two um two very indie um but very awesome projects um the first is uh this this craziness um it is called (laughs) pot zombies 2 and it's uh it's right now the guys that are in charge of it um uh Justin Powers actually did um, Pot Zombies 1 and it was through Troma and he is working on a new ver- uh, new film called Pot Zombies 2 More, pl- actually the tagline is more pot less plot <clears throat> and <laughs> you've got to give props to that kind of writing um, mm-hmm. but uh, he's directing this and um, Abel Berry is who is awesome and I, I call him the the younger uh, Rufus Soul. If you've seen him on on Facebook or in anything he's ever been in, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But these two guys, um, Abel is basically doing everything. He's acting, he's producing, he's editing, he's doing special effects work, and um, uh, Marcus Koch is doing special effects work. They've got all this stuff going on what they're needing they're doing an indiegogo campaign to help promote it they've only got um when this airs um they'll have about two weeks left on their on their their campaign to raise funds to make this movie um go to www.indiegogo.com slash pz2 um they've got production vlogs and everything as well you can um check those out on youtube they're also on a facebook.com um site too they have facebook which is pz2 more pot less plot um on (laughs) facebook.com <laughs> I love it. These guys are great. They're definitely going the indie route with this and um, support them because this is some funny shiznit. And um, the fact that, you know, that we just had 420 happen not too long ago, a few days ago, um, you know, yeah, circular here with this. So, anyway, support this film. 
it's gonna be hilarious. You gotta, you know, most people turn into zombies anyway when they're stoned. So this is not a stretch. <laughs> um, the other, um, other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, um, indie wise via horror, is this great, awesome short film. Because short films don't typically get a lot of uh, a lot of praise or play um, around, um, but feature links usually take it. But this is a great short film called Familiar. Um, it's uh, directed by Richard Powell, and it is a it's sort of the best way I can describe it. And it's actually making the circuits. It's actually won some awards, and um, it's going to be showing at a couple of festivals upcoming here. Um, uh, it's going to be at uh, Texas um, Frightmare Weekend, and it's going to be at Fanta- I'm sorry, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Fantos- Fantaspoa, there you go, 2012's Genre Fest, the Dark Bridges Film Festival. Um, anyway, it's a great, great short, and I would say it's kind of like if you took the film Baby Blood and had it be a man instead of a woman who was pregnant, but a man with something inside of him. And you took Cronenberg's work and kind of meshed it in there a little bit. Um, it's a really, really creepily done uh, film. And you know those little thoughts that you have in your head that randomly show up? Like if you look at your significant other every so often and you go, I want to kill you if you touch that cup one more time. <laughs> and you know where those random just oh my god why did i just think that that kind of thing you know it happens to I, everybody no matter oh, how could be so mean. how sane <laughs> you think you are how sane i was sane just going to say i've i've met your husband and i totally understand <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's the same with everybody it, it, no matter who you are you've had those weird thoughts come into your brain every so often where you don't know where this like psychotic just blip shows just up. Just a little, yeah, a little, a little dark, a little dark thought pops up. Yeah, yeah, I well, know what you're talking what, about. Yeah, you make it sound like it doesn't happen that often. I know, but it does. <laughs> it does. It really does. And then we don't think about it. But this, well, movie, there's there's a few malicious thoughts like almost every single day. But genuine no, but, but dark thoughts these that surprise really you, are, those are not. Yeah, often. these. Yeah, these aren't that often. <laughs> but what if? the personification of that was with you all the time oh that's creepy and yeah. and it was within you and it was a part of you mm. what would happen when you suddenly realized it was in you mm. and that is what familiar which you know oh that's a familiar voice I've heard before mm. yeah that yeah. is what it is about and um creepy it is very creepy, very well done. Uh, Richard Powell did a great job. So if you have a chance, if you're at Texas Frightmare Film F- Weekend, um, if you're at um, the Fantos... Uh, F- I can never say this right. Fantaspoa 2012 Genre Fest, Dark Bridges Film Festival, if you're any of these places, um, check this out. It's a short film. It's only 25 minutes long, but it's so good. And uh, also, you can look it up on IMDb to read a little bit about it. Um, Robert Nolan plays the lead guy, and he is awesome in this. I think he also um, has a little bit of a voiceover throughout. So, very good, very good film. Um, So, check this out. And uh, So, guys, do you have anything else to add to The Weekend Geek? Um, Well, since you mentioned 420, I'll just say... (laughs) 
to celebrate, I watched uh, Reefer Madness the Musical. Oh, yay! yay. I think Alan Cummings is that, isn't he? Yes, he is. For anyone who hasn't seen it, um, it's just great fun. And there are zombies in it, so it ties into horror. There you go. Bring it all back around. <laughs> As I uh, said, weed makes everybody into zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, in this case. Uh, so that's, yeah, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> Good choice, good choice. I haven't so, had a chance because I'm still, uh, I'm in the middle of Oblivion, and if anybody's played Oblivion, you will understand that my life will cease to exist outside of Oblivion for probably the next two months. And then when she discovers Skyrim, it will no, be... No, no, that's uh, why I'm playing it. Another There's six no discovery. months will be I'm playing gone. Oblivion to work up to Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. Fully, fully plan to do nothing but go to work, do the radio show, and play video games for the next conceivably six months. Wait, just wait. It's not even going to be pretty. I think it's time we get our um, special guest on for the night. Um, uh, Ty West is a great director, and he's one of that, like I said, the new breed, and he's bringing some old school back with his new school, and uh, I really, really enjoy his work. So, Hi, Ty. It's Jessica with Fangirl Radio. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing great. Uh, thanks for coming on the show tonight. We appreciate it. All right, everybody, and joining us right now is um, writer, director, producer, um, Ty West. He has the, um, uh, this week uh, being released on Blu-ray and DVD is his film, The Innkeepers. And I wanted to thank Ty for coming on the show tonight. Ty, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. And um, I want to introduce you to the crew here um, real quick. Um, Eric, this is Ty. Ren, this is Ty. Ty, this is Eric, my my (laughs) co-host. Uh, hey Ty, how's it going? So, um, I you've done some really. I was telling everybody how I love the work that you've done. You bring a, like a lot of old school style to um, what you with like a really flair for the new, and it's very fresh looking how you go about it with how you did the House of the Devil, and it also follows into the Innkeepers. Um, they have like a very sort of an '80s vibe, but they're very prettily done and 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 you bring like a lot of color and a sense of style to how these um, films are shot how much input i mean in in style wise where do you go to to get the look for these films like for example the innkeepers well i mean a lot of it's kind of like hearing your voice on tape you know like you hear and you go i don't sound like that but then you actually do sound like that it's just different for yourself so the sort of style that you're referencing, like, I, I guess I'm aware of it, but not real. like, I'm aware of it because people tell me that, but as far as, like, I don't set out to be retro or to have sort of an 80s pastiche to anything. I mean, House of the Devil is a little different because it was a period piece, but for the most part, it's just the way that it, like, makes sense coming out of my brain, and apparently my taste is just a little old-fashioned, and I think that's really all that it is more than anything else is that my sensibilities are just... Um, you know, maybe not quite the current trend. So it sort of makes it stick out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, like, in the Innkeepers, I know that you you actually filmed in the actual hotel that the, the, the movie is based in, correct? Yeah. we um, When I made The House of the Devil, we lived in that hotel, the cast and crew, just because it was a cheap place to stay. And we would make this, like, weird satanic horror movie out in the middle of nowhere. And then we all come <laughs> stumbling back to the hotel... And, you know, as it went on, like, weirder stuff was happening back at the hotel than was happening while we're making this horror movie. And I didn't think much <laughs> of it, and I was really too stressed out to care at the time, because I was making it to the movie. 
But uh, about a year later, I started, I wanted to write a ghost story, and I wanted to write a movie about minimum wage jobs. And I was trying to figure out, like, how to pair them together. And I thought, like, well, what about the hotel that we stayed in? Because, you know, if I'm going to make a ghost story, why don't I just make the one that we lived when we made the other movie? And, um, you know, it, it fit in, like, kind of perfectly. So I wrote the movie, and we called the peddler, and they let us come back. I mean, if they had said no, I don't know what I would have done, because I wrote it so specifically for that place that it would have been worthless. So thankfully, they said yes. And um, most of the crew from House of Devil came back and worked on this, so it was really surreal to go back to the middle of nowhere to the same hotel that you stayed in one time and sort of relive that experience. It was really bizarre. <laughs> Um, so, uh, can you is the peddler still open? Correct. You can, like fans of this because it's it, it is a great film. Could go there and and actually stay in the rooms and everything that you guys filmed in. Yeah, that's something really unique about the movie is that you know if you're in Torrington, Connecticut, or anywhere really in Connecticut, it's not a far drive. It's um, it, 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 we changed a lot when we made the movie, but you would never notice what we changed. So if you walked in there it would feel like you walked into the movie. Like, the, the rooms look the same, the hallways look the same, the lobby looks the same, the people who work there wear the same clothes as they do in the movie. So it's sort of like our own little, like, Universal Studios ride. It's really surreal when you go in there having seen the movie. Even having made the movie, since the year making the movie, when I went back to the peddler after having made it, it was, like, even more bizarre to be there. <laughs> so, and, and I I'd read that you actually had a you were saying weird things were happening and I read that there were actually like ghost-like or almost, you know, creepy things going on when you'd come back from, from shooting. Um, what was the creepiest thing that actually happened to you while you were at the hotel? Well, I don't really believe in ghosts, so I'm not sure that that's what it was. Um, but there's definitely a very weird vibe being in the hotel. And, I, you know, doors definitely have opened and closed by themselves. My TV definitely turned off and on by itself. Um, you know, it, it, the, the closest I came, though, is that, uh, you know, when we made House of the Devil, Dee Wallace was in the movie for a, a short, she was plays the landlady in the movie, and she came out for about two days. And Dee is like a, is a spiritual healer now as well as an actress. And so she is very sort of in tune to these things that I am not. So as I was just kind of making chit-chat with her and walking them to the set, she started telling me that the hotel is haunted. Um, and was, like, communicating with these spirits there. And I don't know if I believed her, but I believe that she believed it 100%. So it was really weird having that conversation because it was really fascinating because it was something that I, I, I don't really believe in, but I was someone was genuinely telling me what I thought they... Like, I well, believe she think, was telling me the truth, even though I didn't believe... Do you think it's something to do with how old the hotel is? Like, that it... Like, you know, they say that ghosts are, like, retained memories and locations and that kind of thing. Do you think it might just the age of the place kind of retaining history? Uh, you guys, I was hearing you talking about the age of the hotel, and then you kind of, it was like the ghost must have heard you talking. They didn't <laughs> they didn't no, yeah, I was hearing both um, of you guys cut out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a weird place. It's a transient place. It could be haunted. People believe it's no, haunted. I, I don't know if I do, but it's the closest I've ever come to believing a place is haunted. Ah, uh, I gotcha. Um, Eric, do you have a question for um, for Ty? Uh, sure, I do. Uh, <laughs> hey, Ty, uh, I was just wondering, uh, when you went back to film uh, The Innkeepers, did you have the same types of experiences with the, with the weirdness, uh, or did you just have that creepy vibe from being back there? Uh, no, all the same stuff kind of picked up by where it left off, you know, so uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, it's it's... I, until I see a ghost, I don't believe in ghosts, but I've seen a lot of weird stuff there, just not yet a ghost. 
but the whole town firmly believes it's haunted, as do the people that work there. So, you know, it might be. Okay. And uh, Trigger Man and House of the Devil both uh, said that they were inspired by true events. Did you throw that onto the uh, the innkeepers as well? No. Uh, even though it's probably the most of all inspired by true. I mean, House of the Devil is kind of a goof. Is not actually inspired by true events. I mean, it's, right. there was a satanic panic craze in the 80s, but <laughs> it just seemed like such a far-fetched thing. And I mean, I had written that movie long before to Trigger Man, so... And I never thought it was going to get made. So when I wrote, if I had known I was going to make both of them, I would have probably eased up on that. But uh, <laughs> but oddly enough, those, that Trigger Man was based on a real news story. Um, and so as much as the Innkeepers was based on our experiences there, I don't really know if that warrants a title card. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I do have one question uh, about on on the Innkeepers. How did you um, go about casting? Because I thought the two leads were great. Pat um, was really, really great uh, as as Luke. Yeah, well, Pat is someone I knew because a friend of mine had made this movie called Great World of Sound. And I knew Pat from that. And so I just emailed him and said, you want to be in a movie? And he just wrote back, yes. And that was kind <laughs> of the casting process for Pat. So it was very easy, um, which is how I prefer it to be. And then Sarah came into the normal channels of like auditions and meetings and things like that and I didn't really know anything about Sarah I hadn't seen any of her movies so I wasn't really thinking I wasn't anticipating much and then she showed up and she turned out to be this like really ridiculously awkward clumsy goofball and I just like I never saw that coming because it was like you look at pictures of her and you're like alright some like pretty blonde girl is going to come in and, and whatever and then like she just is like a walking time bomb and it was just so surprising <laughs> That that's what she was like and um, so we got along really well and she really understood the material and, and whatnot. and I went back and watched a bunch of her movies and that's, her personality is not on display in any of her movies at all and I was like fascinated by that so I was completely charmed by her real personality so as much as the character of Nikki isn't Sarah Paxson it's much closer to her than anything else she's played yeah, that it, she, there was a sincerity with her in that that I really liked. She did a, a, a great job. It, that was the great thing about the, I thought, in the cast of this movie was they were very sincere and endearing. They they were very sincere in this and, and way over their heads. <laughs> yeah, I tried it to put them in a movie where they didn't belong. You know, it's like it very well could have just been an awkward romantic workplace comedy. But, it, you know, unfortunately for them it isn't. But, uh, you know, I tried to, I tried to be very genuine with the people in the movie. Like, I don't want them to acknowledge being in a horror movie. Um, whether it's acknowledging it flat out or just acknowledging it by the way that they interact, I tend to, like, try to avoid that as much as possible and make it, like, I just, in my mind, they're in a romantic comedy and then I just sort of screwed it up for them. <laughs> I like that. Rin, do you have a question? I just had a silly question for you, Ty, because uh, I'll admit I popped into your IMDb and you have probably one of the best IMDb pictures I've ever seen. Uh, and <laughs> that is a, you know what that is? is that I appreciate you saying that. Uh, a friend of mine years ago, like uh, probably like seven or eight years ago, started like a headshot company and he needed photos for his website. Uh -huh. and so I was is that what that's from? One and I had, it was like a ridiculous photo. And then one year, time my manager like put it on IMDb as like a goof like surprise for me and so that's how it got there and he's been like trying to take it down for the past six years and we can't he can't get rid of it are you so serious like they, yeah so it's just there seemingly forever but it's oh just, my I'm God. Fine with it. i think it's when everyone when everyone looks me up 
They're always like, oh, God. But he's now since been like, oh, why did I do that? But, you know, <laughs> no, I think it's, it's fantastic. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's some weird, it's some weird, like, Karate Kid, Michael Jackson, gross, not gross point blank, what's the one with the, you know, never mind, the Nixon masks? Oh, uh, Point Break. <laughs> point Break, yes. It's like, it's like all three mashed into one. It's just, it's, and, I think it's and hilarious. There's a there's a little bit of sabotage in there too, I think, or more than a little bit sabotage. Yeah. That is a, that's a pretty awesome picture. And I, I love the fact that you're sporting a um, Casio calculator watch that I own one of too. Oh my god! Yes, I just saw that. Oh wow! Okay, that's, that just took it to the next level. That's the best on all of IMDb. But um, I actually wanted to ask you, I, um, you've got upcoming one of the more um, anticipated films, too, that you're involved with, which is uh, VHS. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about that and find out, you know, it's been making the rounds and everyone that has seen it has said that it has scared the living crap out of them. Can you talk a little about the film? Yeah, uh, it's like this, um, it's sort of like an anthology movie where they got a, a few directors to make uh, these sort of 20-minute segments. And, like, the kind of only rules was it had to be sort of sound photos and it had to be hard. But you could kind of do whatever you wanted inside of that. And so that's what I knew a lot of people that were working on it, and they came to me and said, look, this is like greenlit. You can do whatever you want as long as it's those two things. So, you know, I had an idea, and I, I went out to uh, Arizona with some friends of mine uh, who were actors. And, you know, we had, like, a, a treatment for it, but not really a script. And it was just, we kind of spent a weekend out there making this weird kind of fake documentary, fake home video thing. And, uh, you know, it turned out well, and I think all the other ones uh, turned out very well also. And it's, it's, it's been kind of remarkable how well it's been received so far. So I think it comes out in August on VOD and October theatrically. And uh, Sue Magnolia, who's done my last two movies, so I'm happy to be working with them again. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we've had some pretty adverse reactions to it at some of the screenings, so it's been a, it's been a fun experience so far there was a rumor that you guys or someone involved in it used a some kind of tone that caused nausea and made people throw up is that a rumor no, i don't think that's the case i think that uh <laughs> the, the person that had the issue uh was like I, you know the, the part of the movie is like really chaotic and i think they might have just gotten dizzy from that i also think that and i was at sundance which is like you had a really high altitude, and most people were dehydrated and drinking a lot of oh, alcohol. Yeah. So I think it was a yeah. combination of things, and also like it was a really gross section of the movie. So I think it was like a chaotic, gross section of the movie with someone who was probably drunk and dehydrated, and it just was a little too much. <laughs> you you don't want to admit that. You want to say that it's something like, no, we put these yeah. like yeah, brief so flashes. Yeah, that that yeah. poor bastard's probably so embarrassed. He's just like, I gotta blame it on the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you also were part of another um, film that's coming out too. It's another anthology called um, ABCs of Death, I believe. Um, yeah, can you last time can was you the anthology summer for me? Yeah, I was going to say you've been you've been doing the short thing here. Similar situation in that, like the I, they told me the idea for it, and they told me who was involved, and they said, "Look, you just get a letter, and you can kind of do whatever you want with it." And that's again, oh. appealing. So, um, and they, it happened right around the same time as VHS, so I did them both kind of in a row. And uh, I just, I mean, I like the people who are making both those movies. So it was like, and I, you know, I'm trying to make these other movies that are cost more money than my previous movies, so it's a much slower process, and I, I can't 
handle waiting. It's like I'm not good at it. So it was a good <laughs> way out of the summer to sort of keep myself busy um, in between movies. So what Did was have your you letter? Seen the other? Oh yeah, sorry. Your I can't tell you the letter. We're all, we're all sworn to secrecy on that. Oh, oh. Really? <laughs> see, oh, I was going to say which which of the other twenty five have you seen the rest of them, and if you have, which one was your favorite? I've only seen one or two of them, uh, mm-hmm. so I, I wouldn't really know favorite wise. Um, I've seen I've seen Jason Eisner's, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. That's the only one I've really seen. I think in, in completion. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Gotcha. <laughs> no, but that's. I mean, like well, I, I don't know concept. about any of the other ones, so I have nothing to say <laughs> as far as my own. They were like, oh, "I'll tell anyone." So, um, you know, the other one I just know Jason. He showed it to me when he was finishing it. That's better. Everyone else, I mean, we're all over the world. The filmmakers are everywhere. I mean, so it's it is going to be like when we whenever they screen it for the first time, it'll be the first time any of us really see. I mean, we don't even know what people did. I don't like. I don't even know what to expect. That's really it's cool. It- I love the cover. I mean, the, the, the artwork yeah, that they've the got up for it. Yeah, the poster looks awesome. Eric, you got a question? Sure. Um, now, I just assume that editing is always a pain in the ass. So um, I'll just ask, which, which do you find more difficult, uh, the writing or the directing? It's, they're kind of just, the, writing, directing, editing are really all the same job to me. They're just filmmaking. Um, I don't think that writing is that. I think that it's like kind of unpleasant because you're alone and it, sort of is like can be frustrating but that I don't think it's necessarily that hard it's just sort of like a grind um directing I don't think is hard either but I think that it's like everything can go wrong while you're doing it so it's the actual directing I think is pretty easy and comes natural to most people it's just that it's like you're constantly having stuff fall apart and break apart all around you so trying to like navigate all those problems and still be able to direct I think so it's weird. And then editing is, again, kind of your back alone again, and that's a little bit unpleasant. But, uh, you know, they're all really just the same job. It's all sort of traumatic and miserable, but it's <laughs> kind of part of it. One question I had was in terms of you've, most of the things that you've directed, you've, you've written yourself. Would you, have you ever had anyone direct something that you wrote on your yourself um, and how was that to kind of give away your baby like that? Um, I haven't, although I just got a job adapting a novel, which is for that purpose. So I'm, I'm going to start on that any day now. And yeah, I mean, like the kind of idea was there for maybe, maybe to direct the, the, the book, but I'd rather just write it and see someone else do it. I mean, I might get attached after I write it, but for right now, I like the idea of writing it and seeing what someone else does with it. Um, whether it's good or bad, it would just be a fascinating experiment to me. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. Can you share what book it is? Yeah, it's called Bedbugs. Ooh. It's about It's about a, a family that moves into a, a house and, in New York, and the, the wife thinks that they have bedbugs, but no one else is getting bit, and it kind of drives her crazy. Is that the uh, Rick, I don't know how to say his last name, the Rick Hachula novel? No, it's written by a guy named Ben Winters. Okay. That sounds very cool and creepy, and I I hate bugs, so <laughs> I won't yeah, be no, reading. I, I hate women that go idea. insane, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so kind of getting into the, the genre as a whole, um, you've been one of the more original in terms of, of 
bringing some fresh material to the world of horror and it sounds like you're you're continuing that with the anthology pieces that you're working on um what would you like to see where would you like to see it go um in terms of, of the whole genre of the of horror in, in the near future? I mean, do you think it's going the way it should be? Or do you think independent film is, is just going to basically be the place to go for, for the, um, you know, have you seen Cabin in the Woods? What do you think? I've not seen Cabin in the Woods. Um, I, I'm, I think the genre is in a terrible place right now. I think it's probably only going to get worse. Um, I think that it won't get better until it, stops making any money, like when every hard movie fails consistently, then they will have to make interesting original content in order for it to be accepted again, and I think that will be interesting. I think right now, I think it's getting maybe a little bit better than it was. For a while, it was very bad because it was just derivative movies or remakes or sequels or things like that, and it's starting to get closer to the original material, but it's it's really just these sort of derivative movies based on paranormal activity success. So I, I don't really feel like there's a lot of exciting new ideas in the genre, nor do I feel like there's a lot of really strong like filmmaking voices in the genre. Um, I think the independent world is certainly better, but the independent world has gotten so small because, you know, people don't want to make hard movies for $4 million anymore, they want to make them for $100,000, so that's where the sort of found footage craze came from. And then the independent world has gotten even smaller, so it, it's a tricky time. I think anytime something becomes popular, which is what Hunter did about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, uh, it, it gets it starts to become aimed at the lowest common denominator, and I feel like ever since more or less the success of Saw, it, it, it has been you know this idea that horror movies are a way to just sort of make a movie cheaply and make money, which to some degree is true, um, but it, it's not really the best reason to make right. a movie. Um, and I think that it's just become the genre that the only reason to be a part of it is to be financially successful, and so therefore I feel like. You get a lot of movies that look really slick, and they look a lot like the movie that came out before them, but they don't really do anything that new or interesting. And I think that's that's a bummer. And I think until they're not successful anymore, they'll sort of stay that way. It's kind of a double-edged sword. If you don't support the genre, the genre gets you know damaged. But if you do support and go out and see every horror movie, because there's people out there that tell you to do that, um, then they keep making the crap. So well, I think it's misguided. I think that people don't. People don't realize that where they spend their money is actually, like, a valuable contribution to what gets made. And most of it is because people don't really feel like thinking about that. But, you know, it's like when a movie like, say, Hunger Games makes $500 million, it's so obvious that to continue that is a no-brainer from a business perspective. So, like, everyone made a statement with their time and money saying, we want more Hunger Games, and that's totally fine. But, like, if you, if you want something else, then you should go and put your time and money into something else. The problem is people don't always do that, maybe because they're lazy, maybe because they don't realize the value of it, maybe because it's a little bit harder, um, or, you know, they, I don't know why, but they, you really shouldn't see, I see here you know, a lot of people say like, oh my God, I can't believe they remade that, that's so stupid, and then, and then they see it, and I'm like, but, if you think it's stupid and you think yeah. you remade it, why did you see it? Like, well, I had to see it, and it's like, well, yeah. no, you didn't. You could have not seen it, and if you had not seen it, it would have been a statement that they shouldn't do it. But instead, they made money off you, and they don't know your story. They just know that they got your money, so you must like it. And I think that's, you know, especially nowadays, people should really pay more attention to what they're supporting. And I hope that they do. Exactly. They really need to, because you're just going to get more of the same crap spilled out all over you all over the time. Like, I ugh. think it's, yeah. it's everything you said is true, and it's probably now 
the more important than any other time because studios have less money now than they've had in lots of previous decades, and they're just yeah, making the things they know are sure bets. They know they make the stuff. Yeah, and I think when you go to see these blockbusters, you are mm -hmm. making your world even. I mean, it's, to me, it's like fascinating that Three Stooges was the number two movie in America. Like, I can't even yeah. fathom. Like, an, a, a, like I couldn't. Like, if I <laughs> talk to every single person I know in my life, none yes. of them would have seen. I can't imagine a world where people are like. Oh man, I can't wait to go see the Three Stooges. Like it's uh, mind blowing to me. But more people did that. I mean, other than the Hunger Games, that was the most successful movie that we. And that's like I can't even wrap my head around it. But I, I know, don't live so in that reality that those people live in. <laughs> but they're I, out that there, is... and there's more of them than us. And I, I don't know any of them. It's fascinating to me. Yeah. Oh God, I wanted to vomit when I saw that trailer, and not for like a shaky cam or anything like that. To simply vomit because of what I just saw. Um, I well, I think like twenty million dollars worth of people saw the trailer. And went, oh, I'd like to see that. That's fascinating to me. <sighs> absolutely, absolutely. And this is why people should eat their young. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ty, I, I think we're going to have to wrap it up here, and we got like about a minute left. So, if you have anything that you would like to um, plug or share with the audience, um, please go for it. I will just go ahead and plug the innkeepers on DVD tomorrow, Tuesday the 24th. Yep, and it is a beautiful DVD, crystal Blu-ray. You should pick it up. Good, creepy film. It um, Great acting, great directing, great story. So go pick that up. Ty, I want to thank you again for coming on and um, being a part of this and telling the truth about um, horror today, man. Thank you. Really I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks for having me. Ren, thank you. Eric, thank you. Amanda, Ghostly Amanda, thank you once again. And everybody, um, be sure to pick up The Innkeepers. Check out um, House of the Devil as well if you haven't ever seen it. Um, I think it might still be streaming on Netflix. And uh, support, support independent horror and um, keep it going. So um, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>